Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Amen. All right. Well, I want to take this Sunday to speak on finances since it is Generosity Sunday, but more than just finances, I specifically, specifically want to speak on the generous heart of God. Do you know that God's heart is generous? I came from a, a tradition growing up um, that I did not see God as, as generous. I saw, I saw God as powerful. I saw God as to be feared, and he is both of those in a healthy way, in a biblical sense. Uh, but I did not see God as generous, or in other words, uh, I, I felt like God's already done so much for me. He's sent his son to die on the cross for me. If I also ask him to help me with my finances, man, that is just too much. Anybody grow up in a church like that or with a mentality like that? I know it really impacted me because if I had a good theology, a biblical theology of finances, I would have done things in my 20s that would have been impacting my 40s right now right? But I, I just kind of, a mentality that was just like, if I just make enough just to get by, God will be more pleased with my lack than he is with my uh, excess, all right? And so that is really how I lived. It was rough to be married to me. I tell you what, my, my wife and I got married when I was 21, and uh, when uh, we needed a washer and, uh, a washer and dryer, I didn't want to get one because people around the world washed their clothes on rocks. That's what I believed, right? When we needed a new couch because the couch we had was a hand-me-down, and literally when you sat on it, you sunk to the floor. I said, oh, we don't need a new couch. People around the world sit, on, sit in the dirt, right? And that was my mentality, and it doesn't make for a good marriage. I tell you what, all right? And so really what we're doing as you learn that the, a, a good biblical theology and that the heart of God is generous, it's going to bless your, your, it's going to bless your inside, it's going to bless your marriage, it's going to bless your heart, it's going to bless those around you. Listen, the heart of God is generous, and I think that what I want to do this morning is I, I want us to biblically part ways with things that aren't biblical, I want us to see what the Bible actually says, not just about finances, but about, about how God operates his kingdom, because that's how it actually is. Now, I want to tell you this. My posture today is I'm, I'm speaking as a pastor, not a businessman, all right? I'm not a businessman. I'm a pastor, all right? I'm not speaking as someone who's made a fortune in the world, and now I'm just telling you how to do that and then trying to make that sound spiritual. I'm not doing that. I don't have a fortune, all right? You should see my savings or, you know, you can count it on about, you know, your hands and your toes. All right. Like, I don't have retirement. I don't have like that. I've given my entire life to, to the church. All right. I, you know, and so, so that's where I am. All right. So I just want to be a regular guy with you guys. Like I'm not like a wealthy dude just telling you how to be. I'm someone who is trusting God with my future, just like most of us here. All right. So we're not going to storehouses here and, and just, just say, I guess I'll part with 100 grand. Here you go. I've got 900 more. That's not how it is for us. But this is, I'm not a businessman, not a millionaire, not even close. I'm somebody that is trying to give my whole life to Jesus, and it just it looks different. You can't put a price tag. Remember the, the story of the, of the widow and her two pennies. Listen, in Jesus' eyes, her two pennies were worth more than the rich people's hundreds and thousands. All right? 
So really, I've been saying, hey, let's believe for a million. Or we toss around, we brought in like $165,000 last year. I don't know what the amount is going to be today, but I know that while we celebrate amounts, it's not, in God's eyes, it's not actually about amounts. It is about your heart. And your posture towards giving. I found that when our heart is right towards God, what happens is the amount usually supersedes our expectations. That's what I'm finding. And so I remember um, when I first started to biblically come out of my, uh, my, my unbiblical view of God and God not being generous, but God just helping me to get through, um, I remember experiencing God's generosity so many times and when my wife and I were first married, uh, I was a youth pastor and worship leader. I also worked at the Moody Cassette Ministry. All right, remember what cassettes are? All right, yes, yeah, so you have to go way back. Moody Cassette Ministry. My wife worked in the, in the school gym, working the front desk. We made $200 a week, okay? And, uh, and I remember a few months into our marriage, living in downtown Chicago, and it's not cheap there, all right? So we, we could barely get by once we paid for, like, like rent and stuff. Uh, good thing there weren't cell phones back then, all right? Uh, that would have just made us completely broke. But uh, once we paid for it, we just had nothing. We, were ex- we had to have God come through, or we didn't know how we were, we were going to make it. And I remember one of those days, we, feel, we hear a knock on the door, we had no food, literally no food to eat. And it was our friend Steph and Andrew Gray knocked on the door, and they both were, uh, their arms were full of groceries, and they just came in and they just gave them to us, and they just said, God just sent us here to give you this food. We're taking it, we're just throwing it in the refrigerator, crying, blessed. God has always provided. I, I remember there was another time, same situation, same season of life. We, we didn't have, we didn't have uh, two, two ones to rub together. All right, and I remember I accidentally knocked down a CD tower, it, uh, you know, cassettes. Then, then, then came CDs. All right, and so it was big time. A CD tower. Just have to explain this, you know, theologically. CD towers were these pieces of, of equipment that actually held the CDs. All right, and so I knocked down the CD tower, maybe a hundred CDs all over my uh, living room floor. And I remember um, the passion road to one day CD just kind of stuck out amongst them all. I picked it up. I don't know why. I don't know why it stuck out. Um, and I picked it up, and I just had the urge just to open it. And as I opened it, there were two 20s in it, all right? And I don't know if one of my friends stuck it in there for such a time as this, or I don't know if angels came on assignment and put two 20s in just for that moment. Well, all I know is that every good and perfect gift is from God, and we receive that as a provision from God, all right? So, so this is, I, I, God started saying, hey, Nathan, I want to bless you. I want to show you this. this I, I've got you. And sometimes when, when you don't trust that God is generous towards you, you start trusting yourself to take care of you, all right? Now, that is going to get you into a future that is nasty, just very, very nasty. And so as I was reading the Bible, I was discovering that money is actually very important to God, and Jesus spoke on money more than heaven. Do you know that? That Jesus spoke on money more than heaven, and actually some of the, there are some unhealthy, unbiblical, uh, theological, theologically unsound beliefs that the church especially holds that I want to speak to, that Jesus spoke to, and that the epistles speak to, and that we see the generous heart of God in them. And here's, here's I'm going to start with some of the things that we need to part ways with, some of the, the unbiblical and unhealthy ideas that we need to part ways with. And so here we go. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
verses 9 and 10. And here's the unbiblical, unhealthy belief. This is not God. Um, this is a, uh, this is a idea that I hear a lot in the church. Just kind of talking as you turn, all right? Here's what it says. It says, money is evil. You guys ever heard that line in the church? Money's evil. Money's really bad. Money is the root of all, of all evil. Well, that's actually uh, one of the most famously misquoted verses in the Bible. The Bible nowhere ever says that money is evil, all right? Uh, in fact, the Bible says that money is, is not bad. It's actually useful. It's just a horrible treasure, all right? Here's what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. It says, those who desire or want to or pattern their whole life after riches, or those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Then it says this, the love of money. The emphasis is on the love of money. The emphasis is, is where, where is your heart when it comes to money? Do you have money as a tool, or does money have you as a treasure? That is the real question. Money in itself is just a thing. Your love for it, your view of it, do you see it as your security? Do you see it as your treasure? Do you, do you see it as something other than it was originally designed to be? Do you see it as that? The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving or this love or this desire that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That's what money can do to you. Because when you start, when you start uh, looking at money as your love, your treasure, and let's just be honest, as your God, all right, what it's going to do is it's going to hurt you because money can't be your God. And, it, and, and you know it's your God if you think about it more than God, if you treasure it more than God, if you feel more secure when your bank account is large or you feel more secure just in, in no matter what season, if you've still got God, all right? But money tries to be God. And that is it, is, it is dangerous. The desire for it is dangerous, but in itself, it is not wrong. God actually wants to use people who treasure him and have a lot of it to bless others in his kingdom. So it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of e uh, evil. What, what is evil is an unhealthy desire for money that puts money over God. Are we clear on this? Money itself is not evil, right? Somebody say amen, right? All right. But a love of it is evil. Somebody say, uh-oh. All right. So do you know that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, let's, let's just move a few verses over. It actually says this, as for the rich. Now, here is Paul. He's writing to Timothy. This is one of Paul's first letters. And he's writing to Timothy, who is, who is uh, who's a, the pastor of this church in Ephesus. So these are the Ephesians. But Paul is writing to Timothy, who's the pastor of the Ephesian church. And he says this, as for the rich in this present age, Charge them not to be haughty, listen to this, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides. Whoa, hold on a second. Don't say that God richly provides. Well, he just did, right? Right? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's not wrong to enjoy stuff that God provides you with. It's wrong when you worship the gift rather than the giver. You hear this? Let me just read that again. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So here's what he's saying. He, he's, he's not saying charge the rich to make a vow of poverty and to, and to just give everything away and to pretend that, you know, that money is evil. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's rich people, but what you need to do is guard your heart so your heart doesn't come proud, so you think that you're better than people who have less money than you. 
and your heart doesn't be, become uh, intoxicated with, with the, the false promises of wealth. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Listen, God is the only anchor for your hope that works. Every other hope will leave you high and dry. God is the only one you can anchor your hope to. So uh, money is uncertain. Depends on the stock market, depends on this or that. But God is not uncertain. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. And here's what God does. God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That is what God wants to do. God wants to say, hey, I want to tell you how good I am. I want you to enjoy this. I want you to enjoy this. Now, if I sent um, flowers to my wife at school, and she, and she started making a big deal of the dude who delivers them, all right? That would be wrong. Hello? Somebody better say amen to that. Like, I, what? All right? So what she should do is say, oh, wow, these flowers. The, the, uh, you know, the, the deliverer is, just, is a side note. Where this is actually coming from is the husband, right? So you start to rejoice in the husband. When God blesses us with things he says, I want you to enjoy these, but I want you to see these are just an extension of the giver. These gifts are an extension of the giver. I want you to celebrate me. And listen, pin all your hopes and hook all of your hopes on me, God says. All right? So money is not evil. An unhealthy love for it is. Here's another um, mentality that I want to break down a little bit today that I do see in the church and that I have seen in my life. That uh, it's, it's, I'm just calling it, and we've heard it this before, but a poverty mentality. A poverty mentality can slip into lives. A poverty mentality can slip into the church. Basically, what the, the way that I would define a, a poverty mentality is, is less is more spiritual and more is less spiritual. The less I have, the more God likes me. The more I have, the, the angrier God is at me. A poverty mentality. Poor is spiritual, thriving is sinful, is another way to say it. Man, if you have more than enough and stuff, you know, so you see this in the church too when, when you see of small churches judging big churches. Well, those big churches, they, they must not be preaching the gospel, all right? That is a poverty mentality. Instead of saying, wow, they must really be preaching the gospel and sinners are repenting and coming to Jesus in the droves. That should be encouraging to us. Let's, let's hit the streets. Instead, a poverty mentality chops the legs off of what could really be happening and say, since it's big, it's bad. We're over here, the remnant. We're small. Instead of saying, we're not reaching anybody. We're not reaching anybody. Our church is not growing are we reaching anybody? So, now, so that's poor is spiritual. We're small is spiritual. Large is sinful. That's not it necessarily. Poor is not spiritual. Thriving is not sinful. Um, and we see this, this biblically where we see that, that it's not spiritual to be either rich or poor. But Philippians chapter 4. Man, Philippians is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 says this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. All right, so, so listen. Listen. 
There are seasons of plenty, seasons of want. And Paul is saying, the season that I'm in doesn't dictate how I'm doing spiritually. Do you see this? He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, the context of this passage, we, we use verse 13 there to apply to everything. I can do all things. But the context of the passage is provision. What Paul is originally saying here is whether I have enough money or whether I don't. I can do it with Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying there's some seasons where I have more than enough. There's some seasons where I don't have enough. And then there's some seasons that are somewhere in between. And listen, I can face every single season with no matter what kind of provision I have with Jesus. He's my secret for contentment. Money's not. He is. That's what this is say, saying. Contentment with satisfaction in Jesus allows us to be able to face any circumstance. So there's, a, there's different tra traditions in Christianity over the years where certain traditions would actually take a vow of poverty. You don't, it, some of you have done this without knowing it. I know I, I did. You take a vow of poverty. And, and, I, I, and, and these vows of poverty where you're just pledging yourself to poverty. And then, and then we've got to rejoice and say, oh man, isn't that person spiritual? Well, well it's not, all right? Can I say this, that a person that's trusting their poverty to make them more pleasing to God is just as wrong as a person trusting their riches to make them happy. You hear this? Riches won't make you happy. You'll never have enough, all right? Well, poverty won't make you godly. You'll never not have enough, all right? This is, this, neither one of them are the truth. The truth is Jesus is the one who made you for himself. And if you're not happy in him, you're not going to be happy in poverty, and you're not going to be happy as a zillionaire. I promise you, I promise you, that if you don't have him, either side will be screwed up. Neither one of them will work. All right? So we've got to part ways with the poverty mentality. And, and some of us, even this morning, the best thing that you can do is not, is not give towards Generosity Sunday. The best thing you can do is break that curse that you've welcomed on your life and live a life of generosity. It needs to be more than a Sunday, I tell you that. All right? But here's another thing. I, I'm calling this, this is a thing that we need to break down a little bit in the church. I, I'm calling this a multiple choice generosity. All right? Multiple choice generosity. Um, I've seen this in, uh, in my 25 years of being a pastor. Um, I've seen this a lot. And here's where I get this. Um, usually I hear of the three T's. You guys ever hear the three T's when it comes to giving? All right. We've got our talents. We've got our time. We've got our treasure. All right. And, you know, I, I, probably a Baptist came up with this. They alliterated three T's. And I love it. Listen, I was a Baptist. I pick on them a lot just because I've got an appreciation for them. All right? We're baptizing people Baptist style next week. Okay. So come on. We're all family. But the three T's, talent, time, and treasure. Um, talents are spiritual gifts and abilities used to serve other people. Time is, uh, you know, presence ministry, just being with people, you know, volunteering um, to, to serve in some capacity. Treasure would be finances, wealth, provision. The misunderstanding here that we, we need to look at, it comes when we begin to believe that God wants us to be generous with one of those things. There's the multiple choice. We can be generous with our talents, but then we don't have to give our time or our treasure. Maybe we can be generous with our time, but our talents are going to have to wait, and I no longer need to give my treasure. All right? 
And this is one of those things that this multiple choice generosity, I feel like we're missing the heart of God. Let me just get to the end. God doesn't want you to pick one or two of those. He wants all of them. All right? And it's the one that you're not operating in is the one that he wants you to start in first. That's what I have found. Okay? Imagine this for a moment, that um, um, you're a dad, and your kids come to you and say, Dad, we need food. And you say, well, listen, I took you ice skating yesterday. We spent time together. What's your problem? They're like, Dad, you're silly. Ice skating is not eating. A child knows that, right? Well, 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 we spent time together, all this greediness for food, all right? Oh, that, that's, that's, that's nuts, all right? Or how about this? A wife says to her husband, hey, remember to fix that snowblower. We're the only family in the whole block that hasn't, you know, cleared their, their drive, all right? And you say, well, I just bought you a new couch a few days ago, all right? So I, I've, I've given you the money that you need for that. I don't need to, well, that's silly, all right, you know, if you need your, your drive shoveled, you know, investing in a couch, they're not the same thing. This is what we do in the church, though, when we do multiple choice generosity. We say, hey, guys, 20% of us give regularly. <laughs> well, well, the other 80% says, well, I give my time and my talents. I'd say, you're silly. <laughs> you're silly. That's not, <laughs> that's not. You know, that, that's not paying for this. That's not helping the kingdom to advance in that way. It's silliness, all right? And so really what God wants is he wants us to go crazy. He wants us to say, God, you're worthy of all my talents. You gave them to me to begin with. You're worthy of all my time. I was made for you by you. And you're worthy of all my treasure because ultimately, Jesus, you are my treasure. And I am just a steward of all the other, the little things that you bless me with. I would be nowhere without you. All right, man, the kingdom, God calls us to give all of them. He doesn't give us options to give. I mean, don't you love that God simplifies it so much? He's like, it's like, all, it's like, all, all, wow, that does simplify it. Now, here's a few kingdom principles. I want you to, hopefully, you didn't lose your place in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 and 10, because I'm not uh, quite done with that. Let's, let's look at that one more time in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 9 and 10, I'm going to read it to us. I don't think I did the, the first time. Well, I know I, I did. It says, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So I want to say what, what money is not here is that m- money is not a good treasure. See, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. What you love is what you treasure. So love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Money is not a, a good desire. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. So it's, it shouldn't be leading the charge in your heart as most desired. Through this craving, some have actually wandered from the faith. There's that passion. It's, money shouldn't be the passion of your life. All right, then you make yourself feel better by giving God your time. All right, that, that is not how it works. It's it, money is powerful enough to give you spiritual heart problems and actually remove your heart from Jesus, all right? Uh, but m- money is also not a good hope. We've already said this, you know, that the, Paul has warned the rich, don't set your hopes on finances, hope you, set your hopes on Jesus, he's the only one. So uh, the, Jesus is our anchor, not the uncertainty of riches. And then, then we said in Philippians chapter 4 uh, you know, that, that money does not satisfy or secure us. So we, we say that I can face 
any circumstance with Jesus, whether I have tons of money or not. Okay, we've said those things. So in the kingdom, I want, I want you to hear this. The math is just different in the kingdom. It just it doesn't add up the way we were taught in the world. The world teaches us to go get yours, you know, take care of number one, which is you and your family. But in the kingdom, it's actually different. It is backwards. It's, 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 upside down. it's an upside-down kingdom, all right, where the first are actually last and the last are first. Now, here's a, a passage of Scripture. It's the first money passage that ever revolutionized my heart. I remember right where I was sitting when I read it as about, as about a 23-year-old, and I was so struck. This is Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 25, and then verse 28 as well. It says this. This is the, this, the, the different math of the kingdom, the upside-downness of the kingdom. Listen to this. One gives freely. So just whoosh, uncalculated giving, it's free. You don't say, well, I think we can part ways with that. All right, no, this isn't calculated giving. This is free giving, give it all away. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give. So if there's, if there's finances that you have that you should give, you say, say I'm gonna take those and I, I'm not gonna trust God with those. I'm gonna withhold those and only suffers want. It goes on to say, whoever brings blessing will be enriched or will be blessed. And one who waters will himself be watered. Do you see the backwardsness of this in the world? The world says, look out for number one, take care of yourself, and then kind of give the rest of the world your scraps if you feel like it. But this says, no, no, pour yourself out and water others and trust God to water you. Give freely and trust God to take care of you. Don't withhold what you should give. Give what you should give. If you try to take money into your own hands, here's the promise, you'll suffer want. This is how it works in the kingdom. Is it strange? It kind of is, isn't it? But it's good. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 and 7. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says, the point is this. So, so he's talking about money. He's like, here's the point. Because they're having a generosity Sunday of their own back in the day for, the, uh, for a, a need that arose in the Jerusalem church. And so all the churches in the region were giving, not to their own church, but to that church. And Paul says the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, and I love this part, as he is made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know that God is not glorified, and that's, that's the point of our existence, to glorify God, but God is not glorified when you heartlessly obey and release a check that we didn't want to. All right? That's not how God's glorified. Then we hang it over his head. I gave you. God, I gave you. Well, if you didn't want to, I would just say God doesn't need it. If you, if you don't want to, don't. God's not glorified when you heartlessly, when your heart's not in it, when you heartlessly just, ah. God has to pry it out of your hands. But God's actually glorified when he's enjoyed. You hear this? When he's enjoyed. This is why it says God loves a, a cheerful giver. That word cheerful actually comes from, from the word where we get hilarious. So I love this. God loves someone that is laughing. Now laughing at what? 
laughing at the false promises of what this money promised, all right? And now embracing the joy of saying, freedom, ha <laughs> get out of my hand, freedom over here, freedom over there. I, I've got a, a hilariousness to my giving because this money is a small promise that won't deliver. It's not my hope. Jesus has already been my joy. I can part ways with this and not lose my heart. All right? So, it's, so Paul was saying each one must give as he has made up his mind. Now, there's an Old Testament tithing principle that's a good place to start, but I think this is, the, this is the New Testament principle. Give whatever's in your heart. Give whatever's in your heart to give. I think some of us, uh, we actually find comfort in, in the 10% rule. I'm just saying the 10% was a starting point, all right? Like, let's give what's in your heart. That is the real, what is in your heart to give, what are you going to laugh at? What was promising you something, something, promising to be better than God himself? What was that? Will we give that away? I had a, a professor at the Moody Bible Institute that would sometimes burn a $20 bill in class. Say it's a false, and, and that's illegal, all right? But we would all be like, yeah. So it's like, man, that's as, that's as bad as it got at that conservative institution, all right? Burning a 20, all right? But he said, you know, sometimes you just have to do this. Sometimes when money starts getting your heart, just like light some on fire in your backyard. All right, let her go. And I would say, if you need to do that now, let, let's, get, let's get happy, right? Just let, let, her, let her rip, all right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's a kingdom principle if I've ever heard one. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me, let me be very, very clear on this one. It does not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be, all right? That's not, God's not looking for where you say your heart is. God's looking for your heart where your treasure is. What you love and value the most, in other words, treasure, is where your heart is. All right? We can't hoard money to ourselves or love money more than God than say, oh, God, you know my heart. You know I love you. God's like, no, I see where your treasure is. I see where your treasure is. And so Matthew 6, 20, for where your treasure is, now that's where you're going to find your heart. And some of us, I think we've convinced ourselves that our heart is over here and it's in a good place, but really it's over here treasuring something more than God. Well, the, the easiest way to just knock that off is to giving your treasure. Just, I don't want this to be Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And it's actually making it out of my thoughts into my actions, my life. Your, your heart follows your treasure, not your treasure following your heart. And so this is, this is a day, day where God's going to give us that opportunity. And I was remembering being a little kid. The first time I remember giving an offering, I remember being at a church on a Wednesday night service. or It was an evening service, maybe a Sunday night service. My granddad from Georgia, who's an attorney in Georgia, he gave me this bright, shiny 50-cent piece. Do you guys remember those? All right. And I, I treasured it. I, I, I always had it in my pocket. I really liked it. I liked to flip it and I liked to play with it. You know, we were, I was a poor little pastor's kid. I just played with it 50 cents, all right? So I remember the offering was coming around and I had this nudge of the spirit. Hey, trust me with that. Toss that in there. 
I remember battling, and the, as the plate turns around uh, or goes by, I passed the plate, and I struck a deal with God. Well, God, not this time. I, you know, I'm, I'm seven, all right? And I tucked that 50 cents back in my pocket, and to this day, I remember that. <laughs> to this day, I remember that. Now, the grace of God is big, but I feel like God was after my heart as a teeny little kid, and he, he wanted to say, my, I'm more generous than your granddad. I'm more generous than a 50 cent piece. I promise you I've got more joy. Would you deposit that with me? I just feel like it, sometimes it's as simple as that. Listen, I felt the battle. I think some of us, we just feel the, the battle and we decide to keep it. Well, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a new day. These funds that are coming in today, they're actually not going to the lights and the walls. They're not going to the staff. They're not going to the, the, the operations of this church. They're going to the nations and ministries outside of these walls. This is how I want us, this is my vision for how we start 2024. Let's give, let's take a, an offering and let's give, to, not to ourselves, get it out of here. Let's give to people that are on the front lines that need to be seen. Remember, that's why Mark Stockland's so fired up because so many few, so few people are willing to do what he and his family are doing. He's like, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for getting behind us. I've got a, a list of, of uh, I've got a, a paper here with a whole list the tens and tens of the 160 some thousand dollars that we gave last year to so many people and I can't read all the names because some people are serving in places where it's illegal to do what they're doing planting churches teaching about Jesus but we've been able to give connect the world Haiti Bible Mission pioneers pastors book set Kairos Global Kelly Ladder Ministries come on somebody here for that right uh, land and living right uh, our, our, one of our newest missionaries is Scott Coates, who, who just started uh, YWAM Nashville, all right? And uh, so many, Worship House. We were able to, we were able to uh, bless YWAM Boston this year. We were able to uh, bless friends in Florida serving. We were able to bless uh, Jason and Janelle Driver with thousands of dollars, just saying, hey, go to the nations. And so this year, we have an opportunity to do the same thing, except in, in potential. We have the potential to do it in greater capacity, and I'm excited about that. And so I just wanted to give you a moment this morning. I want us to realize that I, I can't sway your, your hearts. This has to be not a compulsion thing. Hello. This has to be a hilarious thing. This morning, like, we have the opportunity to be able to give, just not because we have to or because our arm is being you know, pride, all right? This is it's good, it's good you, obedience through tithing. This is not that. This is, I just want us to be a church that says, man, I want to hilariously give and declare to money and declare to my own heart that Jesus is better. And I want to start out the year with my church and bless people outside of our church, outside of our house this morning. And so this morning, I just simply want to give you a moment just to uh, say, hey, God, Maybe you came here with a, with a number in your head, but maybe just give you a moment and just say, hey, God, what's the number? Maybe some of you are just not in a spot to give this morning, and you just need to get, kind of give your two, whatever your two cents is, all right? God sees that. And maybe some of you are here this morning, and uh, man, there's a, there's a different number that God's giving you. But I just want us to this morning rejoice in the privilege of giving, because when we're giving, we're reminding ourselves that God is generous. He's, he is generous. He loves to keep 
blessings. He's, he's, not, he's, he's not withholding from us. And so, man, when we get to give, man, we get to be, our hearts get to be more like God's. Can you imagine that? And so I just want to give you all just a moment this morning just to pray about that. And just say, God, what is it? And then just uh, in 30 seconds, I'm just going to ask the ushers here to come. We're not going to make this flashy. There's no special song, all right? Uh, we got some piano from my friend Victor over here. Let's hear it for Victor, all right? He just serves faithfully for like a, over a decade here at this church. It's just we're just going to, without flash, without stuff, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to know except for our bookkeeper and maybe the treasurer what you give, all right? And so this is just going to be a morning before, uh, for you to love on, on Jesus and say, okay, God, here we go. 2024, let's reach people. Let's, uh, let's put you right in the center. We want to be like you. So I just pray blessing over this. God, in these next just moments, would you just minister to hearts? Would you help people to, to break out of maybe some, some ungodly perspective? Would you help people to walk and do some new freedom? Would you show us what to do? Maybe this year, God, we can't give as much as we did last year, and that's okay. We want our hearts, though, to be more free towards you. God, we're just going to trust you with the numbers. God, we're just going to be thankful for whatever comes in now. But we just want to say, God, thank you. We love belonging to you, and we declare that you are a greater treasure. You're a greater love. You're a greater security than anything and everything else. So God, may this be a day, man, on, on, a, on a generosity Sunday where we talk about finances, may this be a day where our hearts are more alivened with radical joy to you than ever before. I ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org. Thank you.